All right, good morning, all you wonderful folks. Back at it. It is uh, 904 here, up north. Up north, I'm the beach preacher. Uh, Marty Leeds, you are listening to the National Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you all for being here. Racking them up in parentheses Who knows what the hell got into me Hate bubbling up Deep within whitey More pillaging and colonizing Those who deceive Well, they keep receipts And believe they don't pay a damn thing But in the end God will send A light to flash them blind if three they say he will do a man good Well honey, I'll be putting in five I'm calling out the tribe From sun up to midnight, midnight till noon These dead men's bones will shake And quake at the fear of us, let them all know just the kind of God they hold dear I won't ever admit or capitulate to bullshit Running amok in my world It's a commie trick, a quick slit of the wrist Of the hands that keep us free If three they say he will do them in good Well honey, I'll be putting in five I'm calling out the tribe Casting and enchanting And we know the power they seek And it ain't nothing but a big dead dream The sound of the word And the voice of saints heard Go ringing aloud in our hearts Beating to the drum Of three made into one The heavenly man from the start if three they say he will do a man good Well honey I'll be putting in five No jive I talk or riddle or rhyme I'm calling out the tribe Good morning all. Welcome to another episode of the Nas Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you all for being here. Looks like we got 50 watching. That's a good start. Not bad. Thank you, Deborah Stilley. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be finishing up the chapter of Mark. Where am I? I'm already in the wrong place. We're going to be finishing up the chapter of Mark. So it's episode 31, Sunday service. Mark chapter 16. We've done the book of Mark, guys. 
we're about to anyway, which is insane. I never thought I'd, like I said, I never thought I'd do anything like this, and um, I was putting this together for the last couple days, and uh, just uh, just loving it. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a good one, guys. Okay, let's. Um, you know, I was thinking that this is only a twenty verses in this in this uh, chapter, and so I thought that this would be kind of be a quick one, but it's probably not going to be a quick one because there's loads of stuff in here, and I'm really excited to show you guys what's going on here. So. All right, let's start off with a prayer. Let's do it right. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Lord, know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I praise thee, Lord, for cleansing me from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burned with shame. Grant my desire to magnify thy name. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in me abide. O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. Start the work in me. The word declares thou wilt supply our need for blessings now, O Lord, I humbly plead. Amen. All right, do you guys like that tune? That's uh, that last, not that tune, but the last tune is called uh, "Calling Out the Tribe," and that's going to become that's going to be off um, the next record that I do whenever I get around to uh, recording it and stuff like that. So, um, all right, let's uh, before we get going, I just want to say thank you to a bunch of people that uh, supported and are just here all the time and really give a lot of just um, love and financial support and all that sort of stuff. So, thank you uh, to all the people here, Deborah Stilly and Jam Grassi and and all the, all the folks that are always here every week. I, I really appreciate it. Nick Rabbit TV, thank you all for being here and uh, absorbing this material because it's um, it's my life's work, and so I appreciate when people actually have the tune their ears to it. So so thank you to uh, Irene. Uh, first off, I want to say thanks to Irene. She just sent a, a donation that ca- kept us going this month. <laughs> Let's just say that. So thank you, Irene, very much. Michael S., uh, Amor, and Brenda, always. The, Amor's been putting out just absolutely fantastic material over at um, Gnostic Revelation Mystery, so check that out. Gary and Marlene, thank you guys. Small Axe, Patriot Astrologer, and all the members here. Um, everybody that shows up and is here every Sunday. Um, it, it really means the world to me. Um, so thank you. Thank you. You guys are what keeps this going. And this only goes this this only keeps going as as long as it gets support, as long as it's supported. And if it's not supported then this goes away. And so thank you for supporting it and thank you for keeping this alive. It really means everything to me. So, okay. Let's do it. Guys, we're going to be finishing up the 20 verses of Mark. And this is going to be just strap in, guys, cuz this is going to be fantastic. I'm really I'm really excited for this, okay? Let's Kick it. Mark, chapter 16, numero uno. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him. Okay, so let's first let's first stop here. Let's say, let's talk about the Sabbath, okay? We've talked about this before. When the Sabbath was passed, what is the Sabbath? So recently I had um, somebody ask a question, um, and this was the question of Samuel Chaplin. So thanks for the question, by the way. It was good. I'm glad you're inquiring. So um, this is great content, Marty. I have one question, though. Why are you guys doing this on Sunday and not Saturday? I'm sure you have addressed this before, but a lot have a lot of content, and I have not come across it yet. And then so I responded to him, and I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk about what I responded. Um, and this guy said, oh, I agree. But in the New Testament, it says nothing about changing the Sabbath. 
So the Sabbath is, you know, by the Jews, it's celebrated on Saturday. So why are you guys, there's a lot of people that are called Sabbath keepers, right? That they keep the Sabbath. It's like, well, the Old Testament says it's on Saturday and we keep that, right? And why don't, why are we doing this on Sunday? Well, we're going to explain that today. And this is all, of course, brought to you. The impetus of this was the fact that, hey, it's the first line here. What, what is the Sabbath? So why are, why are we doing this on Sunday and not Saturday? Well, first off, the Sabbath really has nothing to do with the days of the week. The Sabbath has everything to do with actually where God rests. The whole motif of Jesus, of, of the you know, Genesis, of course, God doing his work in six days and resting on the seventh, is representative of the three-dimensional math, three mathematical coordinates of where God actually rests. And we're going to end this whole live stream today with this very graphic here. So we're going to start with it, and then we're going to end with it, and we're going to sandwich the whole thing, bookend this whole chapter. So... Um, that's the Sabbath day. That's where God rests. He does his work in six days, up, down, left, right, forward, reverse, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then rests on that center point. And that's the that's what the, uh, not, us Gnostics understand is the divine spark. It's what you know. Um, all the great traditions absolutely understand that God is dwells within you, abides within you, lives within you, and this is the whole motif of God doing his work and uh, resting on the seventh or the the seventh day. So this is the actually the, the cross of matter. This is what it's all about. This is what's considered the cross of matter. So we saw Jesus um, just last last uh, Sunday. We saw the death of Jesus, being him being crucified. We saw the whole thing, Pontius Pilate and the crowd and crucify him and put him on the cross and the INRI. And we went through the whole bit. And so when we talk about the Sabbath, what your human body is, is the cross of matter. That's what it is. And this is one of the things, one of the myriad things that's being represented why Jesus is hanging on that cross, is that he dies within. He died in Golgotha. He died in the head, in the Aries, and he was reborn. And that's what we'll discuss today. We'll see. Um, those two bars, by the way, when we do our <clears throat> secret decoder ring theology, when we do our secret decoder ring theology, which is how I will be affectionately referring to this work from now on. <laughs> so when we do our secret decoder ring theology, what we can find out is those two lines, the horizontal line and the vertical line, actually give you two numbers that are expressly related to all of esoterica, but specifically to Jesus Christ. Specifically to Jesus Christ. And we'll revisit this at the end. So I'm just going to lay that. So that cross, in our language, it's 32 and 33. You know those numbers that everybody's scared of? It's like, well, they're you know directly related to Jesus, and we'll see that again. So, so we say, well, why are why are you doing this on Sunday, and not Saturday, keeping the Sabbath? You're not a Sabbath keeper. Well, the reason we're not Sabbath keepers is because we understand that as we've covered, we have a New Testament, and that's some old shit. There's an Old Testament, and then there was a book that was sandwiched with it called the New Testament, and that's when we have new tongues to speak. We have a new Savior to follow. It's actually the same Savior that's always been. But, um, you know, we have a new book, and the only reason that the old book is attached to the new book is so that we have context for what's going on in the new book. That's it. The, new, the, old book isn't, the, the old book isn't there. The Old Testament isn't there. So we can constantly go back and say, well, what did the, what did the Jews scribe down? And did, what did they scribble down? And that's what we're supposed to keep. As we're going to see, Jesus is preaching entirely against that. 100%. So what happened? Now, first off, when you say, well, we keep the Sabbath because, because the, Jew, the Old Testament people, they, you know, they worship on Saturday and not on Sunday because of, you know, the things that were written down back in the day, right? So some, some dude named Mosey went up on a hill on the mount, 
you know, and got the knowledge from God and then wrote it down. And then the Jews to this day are like, it's all in here, and it's all in here, it's in the Torah, this is, you know. And they go up to the Wailing Wall and they do this kind of stuff like this, and they're all about a book. They're all about a book. The only problem with that, though, is that they seem to forget that Moses broke those tablets. He smashed them in two. Remember? So according to the foregoing, Moses wished to punish the Israelites severely, when he beheld that they were unworthy of the precious gift that he carried, he therefore <clears throat> broke those tablets, the Ten Commandments. He smashed them to bits. He was, Mosey, up on the mount there, was so pissed at the, the Israelites, all those people that were like, yeah, what you found was so amazing. He was so pissed at those people that he went and broke the very tablets that he got the message from God that he wrote down on. And to this day, what did the Jews do? They're still the scribes. They're still focusing on that Old Testament. Still like, oh, it's in the tablets. It's what Moses brought us. But wait a second. Wasn't he all pissed off and broke those tablets? Why was he pissed off? Well, they tell you. Because they were not following God's law. So there's Moses and his tablets there. Good old Moses. Now, we actually hear about this breaking of the tablets in Exodus 32 of all chapters. Exodus 32. And Moses turned and went down the mount. He was on the mount. Where's the mount? It's upstairs. He was up there. He was up in the canopy of the heavens. He was on that mountain, same place that Jesus was. And um, so uh, Moses turned and he went down from the mount. And the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. That says everything you need to know. Where are the old, where are the Ten Commandments actually written? Well, Kabbalists know. Honest, true to form Kabbalists know. They're right in front of you. The Ten Commandments are right here. They're not some shit written down in a book two grand ago, inscribed by a bunch of Talmudic, Talmudic followers and stuff like that, and that's the law in which God has said, He wrote it down. No. The laws of God are in our hearts and they're all around us. And those principles are right in front of you. Okay? And Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. That's cryptic language to say, where are the, where's the Ten Commandments? The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other they were written. Now, in a literalist sense, right? If you're reading this, it's like, well, no, he actually had tablets and then on the one side, he wrote the thing and then he flipped it over and there was like a double side. It was like a college-ruled notebook and that was the tablets. Was the thing. No. They're uh, in his hand. And the tablets, the tables, were the work of God. What are these? That's the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God. What is this? This is literally the alphabet, the numeric alphabet of the divine, written right on your hands, graven upon the tables. This is cryptic language. So guess what? Moses could have broke those tables in a billion pieces a thousand billion times, and it would still not matter. Do you know why? Because it's exactly what we teach here at the Gnostic Church and Academy, that God's laws are not all here. You don't just go here and be like, well, what did the book say? I guess that's what I do. No. 
No, as we're going to see, Jesus had a different message for everybody. Jesus had a different message, specifically. So who, so, so we see that these people, that's the, 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 the Jews, those who practice Judaism, they still worship on Saturday. Well, as we know, the Saturday is, um, so these are the days of the week. Now, does it really, as long as you actually take a day out of your week and say, hey, today we're going to specifically just rest. We're going to focus on, you know, love of God and you know, this, this sort of thing, you know, the holding a church service, that sort of thing, praying, whatever it is. So does you think it really matters what day you do that on? Aren't these days arbitrary? I mean, a, a bunch of our days are named after Norse gods. Like Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are all toy with to it to a Woden Thor and Frigga. So those are names. So does God want you to does, don't worship on the day of the Norse gods? But we're you know what you see what's going on. Monday is the moon day, Sunday is the Sunday, and what is Saturday? Well, Saturn Saturn is named after Kronos. Saturn. That's why you have Saturn and Satan so close. So Saturn actually is Kronos, which is chronology, which is a, which is references Father Time. So the Jews worship on a day in which they are continually to this day worshiping not the Almighty Father in heaven, but the Father who wishes to keep you tied and strapped into the material world. Us Christians, we have a new book and a new testament that says we're no longer going to follow that stuff. We follow the Son now. We follow the Son of God. Those Jews still worship on the day of Saturn, the day of Kronos, the day of Father Time, because they still worship Satan. They worship Satan. Christ came along and said, you guys haven't, Moses was pissed, broke the tablets, you guys weren't following the law. Christ comes along and says, same shit. You guys aren't following the law. And then we have Christians today be like, well, we've got to follow those people that were not following the law. Is the law written in here? Nope. Nope. It's written in the epistle is written in your hearts as we're going to see. So those modern day Pharisees and scribes worship on Saturday because they worship Saturn. Father time is often associated with the planet Saturn. Hence, the linguistic connection of Saturn and Satan. The Roman god of Saturn is related directly to the Greek god, Greek god Kronos, excuse me, with the word chronology, Kronos, the root of the, the name Kronos, literally means the sequential order in which past events occur. That's time. As shown below in several illustrations and images, the god of Saturn apparently is one that eats children. This motif of Saturn, Satan, Saturn, or Father Time being the devourer of children is a theme found consistently in literature and mythology in advance of the mysteries. So when people ask, like, why do you guys do this on Sunday? Because we're not Satan worshipers. We have a new, we have a new testament. We have a new book. And we have our Savior who's been with us since the very beginning, by the way. And we follow what he does. And you say, well, there's nothing in there that says that we have to worship on you know, so, that we should change the Sabbath. Actually, there is. Because he's calling these people out all day. And then what do we have? We have now our new Savior, the Messiah, who is the Son of God. And so hence, why we worship on Sunday. Because we worship Christ. We worship the God that dwells in with every man. 
We worship that God. We understand that every single human being has a divine spark within them, and that is Christ Almighty, and we see that and we worship that. And guess what the Jews do? Not that, because they don't see Christ within. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3, let's read this. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of uh, com commendation, commendation from you, or letters of commendation from you, God, do we need letter? Do we need a book? Do we need a book that says you guys are good boys, special boys? You are the children of God and the chosen ones. No, we don't. No, we don't. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. What do we always talk about? This place is a place of morality. That's where you are. That's where you are. In the, in the drama of the human experience, what your goal is, is to be a moral, upstanding human being. And where do we find this? Where, where do we find, oh, it's just, where do I go? What book do I go? What person do I follow? It's written in your hearts and you know it damn well. You know when you do wrong. You know when you do right. And you certainly do not need this to approve of that. God's written at large right here. And Moses, and as we know, is the Ten Commandments are written right here. So what do you need a book for? For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Is that not what we've been talking about for the last how many live streams? That God is living, He's with us, He's, he's with us right now. And this book here, is not there for you to be like, well, I know it's true because this says it. This book is to allow you to know it's true because you can see it and experience it in your world. That's what it's there for. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust we have through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. This isn't about us. <laughs> to think of anything of ourselves, narcissism, self-righteous, that's not what this is about. But our sufficiency is of God. We are sufficient because we realize that God is imbued, embedded, works through everything. The fabric of his being stretches across the world. And it ties in everything. Who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not the old shit. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. I don't think I need to put any secret decoder ring, uh, any mathematics to that for you to understand that line, right? We are able ministers of Christ's word, not of the letter. Not of this, but of the living spirit. For the latter, as we see with what the Jews, the latter killeth. But the spirit giveth life. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. We, have such, we just speak plainly about it. Why do you think that they're trying to, um, you know, this uh, hate speech and, and censorship and stuff like that? Because they don't want you to speak plainly about the truth. And not as Moses, listen to this, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. He was wearing masks. He was worried about the COVID-19. He put a veil over his face that the children of Israel 
could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, when the Old Testament is read, the veil is upon their heart. Facts. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit, not the latter. I'm a gematrician. I study, I did a 550-page book on Jesus Christ and the letters and the Kabbalah and all this other stuff. And at the end of that book, I said, guess what it's all about? This doesn't mean anything unless it's in your heart. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding, not masked up, <laughs> as in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory to, e glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. So we worship on Sunday because we're not Satan worshipers. We let the Satan worshipers, the people that are the followers of the Old Testament, we let them worship on that, that day of Kronos and Father Time. We'll worship on Sunday with the Lord. And if somebody comes along and says, well, it doesn't say anything in the Old Testament about saying that, we'll just look at this and say, oh, okay, well, as uh, well, this is the Bible that I print for our church, and then we'll just do it again. Oh, guess it doesn't matter, does it? And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we. Christ is with us. And what is he? Love. A bunch of people that are Satan worshipers and narcissists and supremacists, they don't have the love. And so therefore, the veil will always be upon their face. All right, we got to the first comma. We got to the first comma in number one, and it's a half hour. <laughs> All right, good, great. All right, so when the Sabbath was passed, why? So what is the Sabbath? What happened to Christ? Christ was on the cross, right? <clears throat> Died, and then the Sabbath was passed. Well, why? As, as we're going to see. Well, because Jesus died and resurrected. As we're going to see, he, he found that center point, and he went straight up to the heaven. He found the, the, the God within so Mary Magdalene and Mary, so this is, uh, so when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they may come and anoint him. Okay, so we're going to have to do a little review here um, from last live stream. Uh, I'll just read a little bit on. So then it says, and very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. The rising of the sun. <laughs> are we talking about the Son of God here? Are we talking about the canopy of the stars above? Of course we are. So let's do a little review, and I'm going to do a little review and then add on to what we did last week just because it's necessary to move forward. Like I said, 20 lines in this thing, and it's jam-freaking-packed. Okay. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and uh, Joseph, uh, James the Last and Joseph, actually, as, we'll, as we saw last live stream, and Salome, 
They went to, brought sweet spices. They wanted to anoint Jesus, right? So who is Mary? Who is our Marys? Well, we already understood that. We have the Virgin Mary. Okay, so obviously Virgo Mary, the maiden, Virgo the maiden, even has a symbol of M. We have the Virgin Mary, a Virgo Mary, which is the absolutely the constellation. Um, we could we could also actually consider her as well, um, um, Mary Magdalene, because she's also, as we're going to see in this uh, stream, Jesus um, cleansed her of the seven devils. So she was she was pure. She was virgin. She was pure. She was cleansed. So both our Marys that we're dealing with, we're dealing with a virgin Mary, which is obviously pure. I mean, she gave birth to Christ, and then we're dealing with Mary Magdalene, who, as far as we could tell, was you know, possibly Jesus's wife, obviously a close confidant. That was a woman. Okay. We'll just say that. So Mary Magdalene was there and she's, she's pure because she was, um, the seven devils were released from her, from um, Jesus. So we have both of these, both, uh, two constellations here, Coma Berenices, which is, uh, represents a beautiful queen, a hair of the uh, hair of the queen represents basically a queen, um, in the myth. And then we have Virgo, which is right underneath that. So I'll show you this. So this is, so we have basically this queen and then a virgin. So these two women that are right there, okay? And so we're saying, hey, there's the Mary and then there's the, the Queen Mary, if you will. The two Virgin Marys are right there. This will make sense in just a second. There's your Virgin Marys. Now, here's the, here's the thing. So they had two Marys there that were both pure when Jesus died. And then when they went to, you know, basically uh, Mary Magdalene will be the first person that Jesus appears to, right? So at the death and when the, when Jesus first appeared, you have pure Marys there. You have a virgin pure Mary. What does it mean to marry? It means to wed. This is the alchemical wedding and the, 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 the pure marriage. We've already covered this several times before. I'm just going to go over this very briefly. You have a Mary, a wedding, a virgin, pure Mary. What is Jesus doing? He is dying and being reborn, resurrecting, right? As the, as the eternal, immortal Christ. Okay, so what did he undergo? He underwent the alchemical marriage. That's what the whole process is. And we've talked up once again. We talked about this before. I'm just going to mention it, and, and you'll see uh, you'll see why in just a bit here. So the alchemical marriage—it's the completion of the great work. It's really what it is, and that's exactly what Jesus's death and resurrection refers to. The whole thing is an allegory for your process of the great work, for you to die and be reborn. Okay. So we have the, essentially these two queens, if you will, the, the, the Virgo Mary and the Coma Berenices, okay? Let's keep reading. We're, I'm going to set all this up and then I'll show you the whole cosmology in just a bit here. So this might not make sense for just a little bit, but I promise it will. So Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of uh, James, the last and Joseph, as we'll see in Salome, that we're all there. Okay, and we saw this from last time. So last live stream, we saw that, hey, this uh, Mary Magdalene was there. And then Mary, mother of Christ, also wants to let, let you know in this verse that Mary was the mother of James the Less and Joseph. And then there was, and Salome was there. So Mary was the mother of James the Less and of Joseph. Okay, well, so why, why are we given this information? You know, well, James the last and Joseph is Gemini. So this is Virgo, Leo, 
and you I mean just a hop, just a hop skip and a jump away you have Gemini the t- the twins so Mary was the mother of James the lesson of Joseph and then we have Salome there who's James James has its ancient roots in Hebrew and it's uh James and Jacob both these names mean the one who takes by the heel also means plainly supplanter but James means one who takes by the heel and it's and in the Old Testament it says Jacob held on to the heel of the firstborn twin brother Esau during their birth. So this whole story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament is a reference to Gemini. It's a reference to the twins, as we're going to see. So Jacob. So while <clears throat> Jacob and Esau were being born, Esau is born first, and Jacob holds on to the heel of Esau as they're being born out of the mother of the Virgo Mary. Okay, this is important, and you'll see why. Well, because Gemini, um, one of the stars in Gemini, a uh, brilliant white star in the left foot of the southern twin, a bright foot of Gemini, according to uh, Bullinger, um, uh, author of Witness of the Stars, great book, it means hurt, wounded, or afflicted, and it has been called the wound in the tendon of Achilles. So a wound in the tendon is your Achilles heel, right? It's your basically your foot, right? Your foot, your heel. And those are the two stars, Propus and Alhina, that make up the heels of Gemini. Um, Propus, that word Propus there, literally means forward foot. So the, the Greek name means forward foot, appropriate to the position as the foot of the western twin of Castor and Pollux. So James and Joseph are, the, are representative as the twins, and even their names, as we see, means the heel, one who takes the heel. So here we have... Gemini, right there. Once again, I'll show you. This will all make sense. I'm just going to lay this out, and then I'll show you it all, and I promise it'll make sense. So now we have Mary Magdalene. We have the mother of Mary. So we have Coma Berenices and Virgo, which are literally right there. Two women that, as it says in the as it says in the last chapter, were looking afar off. And then we have Salome. Oh, I'm sorry. Then we have uh, Mary, the mother of James, and uh, James the Lesson, Joseph. That's Gemini. And then we have Salome. What does Salome mean? Salome means peace. It's a female name, uh, and she's a female, Salome. A female name given from the Hebrew word meaning peace. Salome comes from Shalom. Shalom, like, hello, peace, peace to you kind of thing. Also where we get the word Salem. Uh, in Christian iconography, a dove also symbolizes the Holy Spirit. So a virgin, the Virgin Mary wedding was there, and the Holy Spirit was there during Christ's death and or during his crucifixion. The Holy Spirit was there. So the Holy Spirit in reference to, um, is is compared to a dove, is essentially, right? So we have Salome, which means peace. And of course, the dove is a symbol of peace, as we know. We find that all over a Christian Old Testament as well with Noah's Ark and things. So this is the constellation Columba. Columba is the dove. It's a faint constellation. It means dove. And so it's a symbol for peace. And this ties right into the Noah's Ark story as well. So... Okay, so I'm just going to go over this again. So we have Mary, both the Marys, Coma Berenices and Virgo Mary. We have the twins, Gemini. We have those right there, okay? We see the Gemini is the heel. We see the Salome is the dove. It's the peace, okay? So this was all, so we, we got here. So we're in the empty tomb right, right now. So we're going to go up and they're going to be like, hey, guys, the tomb's empty. So both the Marys are there. Salome's there. The peace, the dove is there. The, Virg, the Virgo, the Mary, everybody's there. And the tomb is empty. Okay, so before we get before we before I wrap this all up for you guys, let's do a little review from last week. 
what where are we in the time period right when we relate this to the the cycle of the seasons where are we right now we're at christmas right this is the jesus dying on the cross this is the winter solstice i said this incorrectly last it's the solstice i said equinoxes the winter solstice and the summer equinoxes creates that cross jesus dies on that cross and is born you know raised three days later and what is that that's the story of the sun we're going to watch this one minute clip from zeitgeist again just as a review and then i'll wrap this whole thing up okay so let's watch this there's another very interesting phenomenon that occurs around December 25th or the winter solstice. From the summer solstice to the winter solstice, the days become shorter and colder. And from the perspective of the northern hemisphere, the sun appears to move south and get smaller and more scarce. The shortening of the days and the expiration of the crops when approaching the winter solstice symbolize the process of death to the ancients. It was the death of the sun. And by December 22nd, the sun's demise was fully realized. For the sun, having moved south continually for six months, makes it to its lowest point in the sky. Here a curious thing occurs. The sun stops moving south, at least perceivably, for three days. And during this three-day pause, the sun resides in the vicinity of the Southern Cross, or Crux, constellation. And after this time, on December 25th, the sun moves one degree, this time north, foreshadowing longer days, warmth, and spring. And thus it was said, the sun died on the cross, was dead for three days, only to be resurrected or born again. So that story of death and resurrection, as we know, was written in the stars above, and that we're at we're at winter there, right? So the whole thing's the Southern Crux constellation. It's the it's literally the solstices and equinoxes which creates the cross. Literally, the sun stops moving at least perceivably for three days, and then starts the whole cycle again. Perfect correlation makes all the sense. Now that's fine, and a lot of Christians will deny that, which is nuts, absolutely insane. Though that's God's canopy, that's God's design that you're denying. God is the one that makes the sun move across the sky. God is the one that makes the, 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 you know, the moon go through its faces. God is the one that makes Mercury go in retrograde. And God is the one that spins those stars above. And all the Christians ignore that. Absolutely insanity. So there's that. So we already know where we are. We're in that Southern Crux constellation. Okay, so let's make sense of this. So, dead for three days, December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, that's when he rises again. Jesus is born right in the area of the Southern Crux Cross constellation. Okay, now let's look at the astrology of the crucifixion. All the characters are there, guys. Everybody's there. Everybody, literally everybody that is named in the Bible, when you correlate it directly to the very words that they give you to the constellations, everybody shows up. They're all there. Okay, so let's first start at the cross. There's the crux constellation right at the time period in, in, in Christmas. There's Jesus on the crux, on the cross. Who's right atop of him? Who's right atop of him? Well, that was then Centurion. If you guys, once again, this is leapfrogging from last live stream. This is then Centurion, Centaurus, the Centurion who stood over against Jesus, as it says. Jesus on the cross, there's a Centaurus. There's Centaurus. is a bright constellation in the southern sky. Centaur. Centurion Centaur is right there. So that was in the last live stream. So there's the cross. There's the Centaurus. The Centurion, right to the left of the crux there, where it says cross there, there's a Norma and Circanus. 
Norma and Circanus are the constellations. What are those? Those are the tools of the carpenter. There's a carpenter on a cross that's dying, and right to the left of them are the tools of the carpenter. The Circanus, which is the compasses, and the Norma, which is the square. We'll get to Galilee in just a bit here. Look to the look down to the right there. There's Salome. There she is. There's the Columba dove, literally right in the exact, you know, in the area of where all of this is happening. What's to the right of her? It's Gemini. Who's that? That's James the less and Joseph. Why is he less? Because, of course, you have twins, right? This, you know, this idea is like less greater. One's grabbing the heel of the other one as the Virgo Mary is, you know, giving birth to these characters. There's the Virgin Mary and Mary Magdalene up there, uh, the left-hand corner there. That's the Virgo. You can't really see it, but that's Virgo, the Virgin. Above that is Coma Berenices. Okay. So, um, and then we see there's Pontius Pilate there. Once again, a little review. Why is Spica the, con the, Spica is the brightest star in the Virgo the Maiden? Virgin the Mary, Virgo the Maiden. There's a bright star. It's the brightest star in that constellation. And, in its, and it's a star called Spica. What does spica mean? Spica means javelin. Spica is translated simply as spike, and it can also mean javelin, spear, or dart. So spica is the brightest star, brightest light in Virgo the mage, Maiden. Um, and we have that star called spica means javelin. And what does pilot mean? Pilot means armed with javelins from pilum, javelin. And once again, we have, uh, well, I'll show that in just a second. So there's your astrology of the crucifixion. James and Joseph, the sons of the Vir Virgo Mary, the Virgin Mary, Pontius Pilate, Spick is there. We have the Centurion, who's the Centaurus. We have the cross, which is the crux. We have the tools of the carpenter right next to the cross. The compass is in square. We have Salome there, which is the dove. All the characters are there. Okay? And we'll, I'll just show you this. So there's, so when you say there's Virgo, right? And then you have Gemini, and you can actually, you know, kind of see it's like, oh, Virgo gave birth to the twins over there, right? This is what you see here is there's the Southern Crux constellation, and there's the cross, right? And right there, there's a little line there that says Centurion. There's the Centaur, Centaur that's Centurion that's over top of Christ. And this is the pole. This is the pole of the, the, the celestial pole, if you will, that connects the, the stars above the celestial globe, because it actually is a globe, as far as we understand, a globe above and below. So that's Sigma Octantis, I guess, is the star, the southern star, if you will. And then the northern star, is um, which Draco is revolving around, that's Polaris. That's the north star. So there's your pole of the stars. And we'll, make, we'll see why this is important. So I'm just trying to give you a visual of where all of this stuff is going on. All of these, all of these constellations that we're, we're assigning these people to, that actually the Bible is giving you all the terminology to make the correct, you know, uh, what do you say, the correct um, correlations to, they're all right there. Okay? So let's keep reading. So uh, we're on line two. So, okay, um, boom, we got Salome, we got Mary, we got everybody there. Mark 3. Mark 16, 3. And they said amongst themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Okay. He saw the stone. Who's going to roll away that stone of the sepulcher? 
Then they went. All the stones rolled away. And it was a really big stone. Who did it? Who rolled it away? And then they saw this man there, a ghost, as far as we can tell. Young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. I don't, I don't know if he's a ghost or whatever, but, you know, um, right there. So what is number one? Is a sepulcher. Well, we already know we're talking about the head. We already know that this whole thing is going on in Golgotha. Completely missed, as far as I understand, by literally every Christian I've ever spoken to. And the Bible literally tells you it. They don't even mince words. They're like, this is happening in your head. That's freaking hilarious. So the sepulcher is a small room or monument cut in rock or built of stone in which a dead person is laid. Of course, the rock or the stone that we're talking about here is your skull. You know, hard as a rock, if you will. So a sepulcher is a grave, tomb, or place where a corpse is buried, obviously. And so when it says here, it says, um, uh, where was I going? Oh, the sepulcher. Yeah, the se I'm sorry. The sepulcher is, that's your head. You're, the firmament is a reflection of what goes on in here. And this is what, this is the as above, so below. This is what we've talked about. This is what mystics have been saying for generations. And unfortunately, people aren't listening to mystics. They're turning, oh, is that Gnosticism? I got to turn that off. Is that Freemasonry? I got to turn that off. Oh, is that, is, did he say a cult? I got to turn that off. There's nothing hidden in the Bible. Turn that off. <laughs> it's like you're shutting off your head is what you're doing. You might as well just... You know, it's a it's an intellectual decapitation is what's going on there. So we know there's a sepulcher, there's a coffin, a grave, a place where they're buried, and then there's a big stone by it. Okay, well, where's the coffin? The coffin is Ophiuchus, the serpent holder. So this is where the serpent holder is. So Ophiuchus is the constellation um, right by Hercules there. And he's holding a serpent, and he's serpent's kata and serpent's kaput. Kaput means uh, head, and kata means tail. So he's got the head and the tail of the serpent, and he's the serpent holder. Well, the the main the main body, if you will, of Ophiuchus is actually called the coffin, as you can see there. Ophiuchus, the snake handler, and there's the stars that make up its central asterism. Stars that make up its central asterism is the coffin, it's a grave, sepulcher. Asterisms are recognizable star patterns that help us navigate around the sky and figure out which constellations we're in. You know, um, Orion's Belt would, you know, or like a, there's a beehive in Cancer. There's the the uh, water jar of Aquarius. There's all of these asterisms, right? So one of the asterisms is a coffin, a grave. Okay. Now, so we know that there's a sepulcher and that there's a stone. So we know there's a grave and then there's a stone. So what's the stone? Well, the stone is the keystone. It's another star asterism in Hercules. So the keystone, there's a stone right by a grave. Remember this. The keystone is an asterism formed by four relatively bright stars in the constellation Hercules. The asterism represents Hercules' torso. Uh, excuse me, Hercules' torso. <laughs> the asterism represents Hercules' torso. Don't get ahead of myself. So... Let's look at, see where all of this is happening now, okay? Remember, it all has to be related in the star, in the area of the stars where we are. It's not like you just pull from over here and be like, oh, you know, it's like, no, there's the cross. There's Jesus on the cross. There's the centurion that stood over against him. Right up north there is Spica, which is, which is Pontius Pilate and the Virgo Mary right there. And right there is the Circanus and the Norma, the, the tools of the carpenter. And what's right to the left? It's a sepulcher. It's a coffin. It's a grave. Literally right there. <laughs> so this is the southern star constellation because that's once again we're in winter. We're that's when the you know the, the that we see the southern crux. 
right where the son is you know, dying and being reborn in that sense, right? Right there is Ophiuchus, the coffin. Now, that's the southern stars. If you flip over, so this that would be the southern stars. If you flip over and you follow the Ophiuchus right to the northern, going up on the equator, if you will, of the, of the celestial globe, what do you see? What's right next to Hercules? Or excuse me, what's right next to Ophiuchus? The coffin, the sepulcher, the keystone, Hercules. There's a big stone right by a coffin. There's a big stone right over a sepulcher in which Jesus, who was on the cross, is now buried. Coffin, sepulcher, stone, keystone. You can even see the keystone there. It says in parentheses there. I'll show it in just a second. But and how do we know that they're talking about the keystone? Well, the Bible tells, the Bible gives you clues. Once again, Hercules is the fifth largest constellation. So that constellation, so those four dots where it says Hercules right there, I'll show this again in just a second. Those four dots where it says Hercules right there, right? Those four dots are considered the keystone. And that keystone is right in front of the coffin, the sepulcher. So, but the Bible gives you clues. It says, when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, colon, for it was very great. They're telling you, well, the stone was pretty damn big. Okay, well, that makes sense because Hercules is the fifth largest constellation. <laughs> Where the stone is in Hercules, it's literally the fifth large, it's a very big stone right by a sepulcher and coffin. The largest constellations in the sky are Hydro, Vir uh, Hydra, Virgo, or some major Cetus, Cetus the whale, bear, Virgo, Hydra, snake, Hercules, Hercules, one of the biggest constellations. And the Bible's telling you that. When they looked away, they saw that the stone was rolled. When they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. <clears throat> Give it. So once again, I want to show you guys where this is. Once again, there it is. So there's your crux. There's Centaurus. There's Centurion. Look to the left. Ophiuchus, just follow Ophiuchus. What, what's literally the constellation right there? It's the keystone. So there's your sepulcher. There's your grave. There's the keystone that's in front of the... It's a very great, it's very big, very big stone right in front of the coffin. Now it goes on to say, it goes on to say here, um, let's see, let me make sure I'm in the right thing. It says, and, they, and entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And who is this? Hercules is the guy. To the right, there's Ophiuchus. If you're looking in here, he's literally to the right, right? Or if you were ent entering out of the coffin this way, he would be to the right. The keystone is right there. And what is the keystone? What is this, basically this pattern here, which is considered his torso? I don't know. Could you, would you say that those look like robes? Is that kind of like a robe? Kind of, almost like a, a Orion's belt kind of thing, right? Same kind of theme. So then it says, well, then this, well, as we'll see here, I think it says, um, oh, no, the, st the stone was rolled away, right? Uh, um, did I miss that? I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh, yes, I'm sorry. They saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And then, like, well, who, who rolled away the stone is the question. That's the big question, right? And so it's like, well, the Lord rolled away the stone. That's who rolled away the stone. The Lord did it. 
This account reports that the angel of the Lord rolled away the stone that covered the tomb. As if to show his awesome strength, the angel sat upon the stone after rolling it away. Let's read it again. The account reports that the angel of the Lord, an angle of light from the Lord in heaven, rolled away the stone that covered Ophiuchus, the coffin, the tomb, as if to show his awesome strength. The angel sat upon the stone after rolling it away. I don't know. You guys tell me. Does this look like, where is it? Does this look like you could say that that's Hercules sitting on the stone as it's being rolled away? Who rolls the stone away from the sepulcher? The Lord did it. Okay, well, let me ask you. Who makes the canopy of the stars move and rotate? We covered this already. God. God. <laughs> so, this angel of the Lord, in this sense, being Hercules, the canopy of the stars, is rolling away the stone as he's sitting on the keystone in front of the sepulcher. Rolled away the stone. Who rolled the stone away? Who makes the stars move in the canopy of the heavens? God. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <clears throat> Does everybody get that? So, okay. And he saith unto them, Mark 16, 6, and he saith unto them, Be not afraid. Don't be, don't be afraid. Why are you being afraid? Fear not. Ye seek... Marty's bringing the heat today. Thank you, Mr. Patriot Astrologer. Size matters not to God. That's right. He can roll away any stone, right? So, And he saith unto them, Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, you're, you shouldn't be afraid because you're seeking the truth. It's fine. Which was crucified. Where was he crucified? In Golgotha. So where is he crucified within you? Ah, we're getting there. He is risen, but he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. So they're saying, oh, Christ isn't, Christ isn't here. Actually, so they're looking at the coffin. It's like, oh, look, the Christ, Christ is not there. You know, where, where is he, right? Well, he, he's within you. So, but go your way, as they say. Why is it okay to go your way? Because they're following in the way. Because what? They seek Jesus of Nazareth. It said the line right before. Uh, tell his disciples and Peter, excuse me, tell his disciples and Peter, the head, the Simon, Peter, the Simon, the head, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. Okay, Where, what's Galilee? We've already covered this. Review. The word Gale, when you look up Galilee, Galilee. The word Gale from Gal, Gale possibly originates from the Old Norse word meaning Gaelic or Galen, uh, which means mad, frantic, or bewitched. So, um, and a Lee is on the side of a ship which is sheltered from the wind as to be under the lee of a ship. So the lee is the side of the ship which is sheltered from the wind. And a gale is a gale force wind. It's a mad frantic wind. So Galilee literally means a place on the side of the ship that's protected from the wind. Okay, right? A leeward, also known as lee leeward, is the direction opposite to the way the wind is currently blowing. And the word Galilee, the word itself, when you look up the etymology, comes from galau, which means to roll or to encircle. It means region or rolling. Region, rolling. Who rolled away the stone? God, right? The Lord just turned that whole thing. 
Hercules was carrying that stone and he rolled the stone away from the sepulcher. Then we find out that, oh, they went to Galilee. They went to this place that's sheltered from the wind. It's protected from the wind. It's protected from that mad, frantic wind, gale force winds, and it's rolling. Well, this is, um, um, this is Gal this is Vela. This is the constellation Vela. Vela is Latin for the sails of a ship. Okay? So that's a big, there's Centaurus right there. There's the left. There's the crux. You see the Southern Crux constellation right down there. There's your Centaurian. There is Galilee. The place, now, once again, a little review. Galilee forms, or excuse me, Vela forms part of the ship of Argo Navis. So Argo Navis is three constellations that form, and we've talked about this. So once again, review. There's Vela, which is the sail, Pupis, which is the aft and the stern, and Carina, which is the keel. So there's a sail on this ship called Vela. And it's literally the place, as you can see, that's, it literally means sheltered from the wind. Galilee means this, and it also means region and rolling. Well, where are we? We're in that place. Sorry, got the wrong graphic up here. We've got this place right there. And what is this doing? Just as he rolled away the stone, this is turning. It's rolling. It's a region that's rolling. It's Galilee. It's a, sh it's a place protected from the wind. And this is, let's go back here. So there, once again, when we look, there's James and Joseph. Oh, there's Gemini. There's Salome. There's the peace. There's Galilee, the Vela, the, the place that's protected from the wind, which you could actually say is in the center of the whole thing is really what it is. But once again, the Galilee is that there's a big, in other words, there's a big, you know, uh, you know a sail that's protecting you, right? It's just all right there. Yes. The What's the question? Um, how long I'm a little confused, but maybe missed something. Crucifixion is uh, resurrection over Easter, not Christmas. Oh yes. Well, no, you're t basically you're talking about um, the the setting up. First off, in other in other words, before there can be uh, um, the question he's asking is this. So you guys know. I'm a little confused, but maybe I missed something. Isn't the crucifixion and resurrection over Easter, not Christmas? If someone could explain how the two tie into each other, that would be great. Thanks. The point is, is before we can have the resurrection, you need the death, right? So we have to understand all of these cosmic um, Christ story in the astrology. So I think what you're doing is being way too literal about this right now, right? So in the sense that like... Um, it's like, wait, isn't this supposed to be the, the? They're supposed to be celebrating on Easter and the Passover. Well, no, we still have to celebrate the death of Christ first, right? And the death and the death and rebirth of Christ is represented in the Son. You could actually make, and you and uh, there's a whole thing we could talk about right now. But because I got too much to cover right now, I just can't go into this right now. But you can make specific correlations to what's going on in the birth of the year, consider like um, the death and rebirth of the Son as it's understood in winter, as it's understood in um, the solstices and equinoxes. The death and rebirth of the sun as it's on the uh, Easter, or you would say the, the, the equinox, and then the death of the rebirth of the sun on the solstice. Those are two different things. So, um, But you have to understand Christ's death and rebirth as a reflection of the story of the stars above. And that's what we're showing here. So once again, being I think just being way too literal about it. It's like, wait a second, no, this all has to happen at this time. All of these stories are timeless, by the way. Timeless stories. 
timeless. So when we talk about, well, no, it has to be here. No, 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 no. These stories, by the way, even though the stars appear to us at certain periods of the year, those stars are available all the time. They're always above our heads or around us, if we can say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the way to say it. It happens all the time every day. Exactly. That's why we say the death and rebirth of the sun. We could talk about this in the in the relationship of the diurnal cycle, the daily cycle, death and resurrection of the sun, as well as the yearly cycle. So, does that make sense? Sorry, I'll, I'll have to cover that specifically, but this is the, this is the problem. This is um, ti- the um, historical time itself is a spell. It's a mind spell. All those Christians, like the 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 secret decoder ring theologists and. <laughs> all those guys, all those guys that rip on this shit, they're all stuck in the spell of time. All of them. They still think that there's a 2,000 year, you know, linear account of history. Lost. Lost. Okay? So, all right, where was I now? That totally threw me off. That's okay. Um... Uh, honestly, the other thing too is you probably shouldn't be here if you haven't watched the rest of these. You know, we've been doing... Uh, anyway, moving on. There's um, there's Vela, right? Right by Vela is a false cross as well, just so you guys know. So right by that Galilee, a place protected from the wind. Okay, let's keep moving on. Um, but go your way and go into Galilee, there shall ye see him. As he said unto you, why shall they see him there? Well, because, once again, uh, that's the wrong graphic. Is it this one? Because you, if you go into Galilee, that place that's protected in the wind, the region, the rolling area, Galal, right? You're going to see him there. Well, where is he? He's in the center. Christ is always in the center. He's in the center of you. He's in the center of everything. So when you say, oh, he was, he was buried over there, and then they went over there, and he wasn't there. Oh, what happened? That's because he was right there. He was always in the center. He's always in the center. Okay. So there's your there's your Galilee, Vela, protected from the wind. Okay, and he went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they were they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they uh, said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. This is um um this is what happens when you have a a, a transcendent experience. Like you're, you tremble, you're amazed, you're you're afraid. You're like, I, what the heck was all that? I don't even know what's. Going on. I just saw Christ. I just saw Christ. In this sense, right? <laughs> it's like, in this sense, like, um, that's that's really what's going on here. Is that you're going to see is that Mary is Christed. It's literally the next line. Um, they were afraid. Now, when they saw Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he was risen. He appeared first to Mary. He appeared to Mary of whom he had cast out seven devils. So he, so this is Mary casting out seven devils. There it is. These little dragons there and they're each carrying a little devil with them. There's the six there and there's like, I think the bottom one on the right is considered another one. But there's your seven devils. What are those seven devils? What are they, what is the seven referencing to? It's your chakra system. So he purified, he he appeared to Mary, purified Mary that cast out the seven devils. 
And now she appeared, I mean, Christ appeared to Mary. Well, where did, where does, where did he appear? Within her. He cast out the seven devils. And that's your, once again, the reference to the Virgin Mary. This is this whole thing. We'll get into this in a second. This is your chakra system. And this is basically the, um, by the way, Amor did a, a fantastic video on this called Spiritual Alchemy, the Science of Soul Illumination, where he covers this. Um, I was going to cover more of it today, but just go watch that. It's great. It's like 20 minute video or something like that. Really great. Basically talking about how it's all about, you know, raising yourself up um, past the animal urges. And this is from Egypt. And basically this is the weighing of the heart ceremony. You have this alligator crocodile thing. And it's literally biting this the, the center pole shaft of you, which represents the center pole of the earth. And it's biting the lower state and it's basically like, look if you stay down here you're going to be succumb you're going to succumb to the animal urges and this whole process of illumination enlightenment spiritual soul enlightenment which is what we see undergoing here is raising up through the through the you know the, the spine so um and we'll see that in just a second so that's mary uh casting out seven devils and she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept yeah, sorry. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. She, she had just, Jesus just cast out the seven devils. She has just been, the first person that appears, that Jesus appears to is, is, is Mary. Think about that. Um, and they didn't believe her. Yeah. After that, he appeared in another form. Was he a shapeshifter? What is he is like? What is this? This is trickster stuff. So after that, he appeared in another form onto two of them as they walked and went into the country. Wait, why he appeared into another form? This is what this is. What, he's Christ is embodying the motif of a trickster. Aspects of the trickster, anyway. A trickster is a character who exhibits a great degree of intellect or secret knowledge and disobeys, plays tricks or otherwise, or performs magical acts, that sort of thing, and disobeys normal rules and defies conventional behavior. Wait a second, isn't that exactly what Jesus is doing? He's disobeying the Old Testament and he's defying the conventional behavior of the Jews and being like, yeah, forget that, we've got a new one now. And he's a boundary crosser, which is exactly what we see right now. Um, what Jesus is doing. The trickster crosses and often breaks both physical and societal rules, went into the synagogue and upturned the tables and taught and healed when he wasn't supposed to on that Saturday. He did all this. Yet again, why should we worry about holding Sabbath on the Saturday? Christ didn't care. He didn't care. He went right in and taught and healed and did all the stuff that they didn't want him to do. But we're supposed to stay truth to the Old Testament. It's ridiculous. The trickster comes... Uh, crosses and often breaks both physical and societal rules tricksters violate principles of social and natural order playfully disrupting normal life and then re-establishing it on a new basis and that's pretty much exactly what jesus is doing he's violating all of those jewish laws right he's disrupting their normal life and then he's re-establishing a new covenant so that's that's jesus the trickster right there he appeared into a... He, he's a shapeshifter? Jesus, the shapeshifter. First he was Jean-Luc Picard, and now he's William T. Riker. What? <laughs> so, um, afterward, he appeared onto the 11. That's what it goes on to say. Mark 16, 14. Afterward, he appeared onto the 11 as they sat at meat. So, the only thing I can... 
The only thing I can say about this is that when he appeared to the 11, why not the 12? Well, Mary was already there. So the first thing he appeared to was one of his confidants and disciples, Mary. And so then he, then he appeared and they said, unto the 11, why not the 12? Well, as far as I could tell, is Mary was probably one of the disciples, just as you know, allegedly Da Vinci uh, uh, sketched it. So right to the right on Jesus's, who sat at Jesus's right hand? Mary. Mary. So the eleven. So he appeared to the eleven. Why not the twelve? Well, because Mary was there. He first appeared to her. I'm assuming, I don't know, I, I don't I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it's a reference to. So um, so Mary was, in other words, Mary was part of the, the disciples in, in, in one way. Uh, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven. Um, and if we do relate the disciples to the houses of the Zodiac, well, we have to account for some woman because Virgo's there. And who is she? Virgo the Mary. Um, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. Upbraided. He, he cursed them out. He's like, what are you guys doing? I appeared to Mary and cast out her seven devils. And then she went and told you. And you're like, well, I don't believe you. Um, their unbelief and hardness of heart. Once again, why did you not believe? Belief requires that you have a love, care, and compassion in your heart. And Jesus is coming saying, well, if you don't have that, then you're not going to see me. Because they believed them, not them, which had uh, seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay. So right now, Jesus is like, hey, I appeared, you guys didn't, you know, you didn't acknowledge it. And now I'm going to give you a commandment. And it's this. Go ye into all the world, the entire world, pay attention, and preach the gospel to every creature. Why not every human being? What creature are you supposed to go to? I'm going to go to my worm bin and I'm going to preach the gospel. <laughs> Once again, Specific language being used because they're referencing something very specific. All the world. Well, what's what's in all the world? What's what's above all the world? Well, God's canopy. The gospel. Go preach the gospel to all people. So he said, right? Everywhere to everybody, all the creature. Uh, God spelled glad tidings announced by Jesus. Literally, good spell. A good spell from good God. And spell, which means a story or a message. So in other words, when you say gospel, really what you're saying is good story, good message, or it can be basically abbreviated as God's story. That's what the gospel is. That's what it literally means. Etymology. Gospel. It's God's story. That's what, when we pick this up, we're reading God's story. Okay. Where is God's story though? Well, it's exactly where we've been talking about. It's the canopy of the stars. It's the firmament. It's literally God's story. It's the very things that are incorruptible, you know, that they're available to all people. They're above all people. They're to every creature. <clears throat> Go into all the world. <clears throat> all the world and preach the gospel, which is God's story. <clears throat> 
And to every creature, everybody under the canopy of the stars, including the Leo Minor and the Leo Major and the Canis, Ma Canis Major and the, you know, Buotis over there and all the serpents, the Hydra and the Hydra, Draco, make sure the two fish hear about it. Tell every creature everywhere about God's story. <laughs> Where else is God's story written? Within you. Within you. So hence why we say, well, it's like, well, Moses said the stuff in here and it was written down in here. And Jesus is like, it's in the spirit, not in the letter. Do you know why? Because Jesus knew where the story was. Jesus knew it was above and within. And all these scribes, all these Pharisees, all these Christians that are lost, that are still stuck in a book. When the book is trying to tell you about God's story. God's story. His story. Fools! Fools, I tell you. <laughs> okay, so let's keep going. He says this. This is his commandment. This is the only gematra I'm going to do today. Secret decoder ring theology. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, comma, and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the only gematra I'm going to do. I just want to show you this because it's very pertinent. Uh, so this is the words right out of Christ's mouth, red letter edition. Go, in, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This in English gematria equals 211. Okay? Who cares, Marty? What's 211? That doesn't mean anything to anybody unless you've actually studied math. But 211 is the 47th prime. Okay? So I'll just show you this. So 211... Is it a prime? Yes, it is. And it is the 47th prime. So 211 is the 47th prime. I'll say it again. 211 is the 47th prime. And where do we get this? It's go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And this is 211 and it's the 47th prime. We'll see why this is important in just a second. So go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 47, 47th prime. Okay, let's keep going. Let's, see, let's get that in just a second. Uh, Mark 16, 16, he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, what's this? Wait, we're Gnostics. We need to know, not believe. What's this go? Well, there's the belief thing. Let's look up what believe actually means. Believe means to have faith or confidence. It means to hold dear. I mean, this is the etymology of it, right? It means uh, perhaps literally to hold dear or valuable or satisfactory, to love to have faith or confidence, to love, to, to uh, hold dear, to accept something as true and feel sure of the truth of. So when we talk, and this is, and so, and this is, um, so when we say, oh, it says here, believe, believe, believe. It says, oh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Well, what is it saying to believe in? Well, where is Christ? He's in you. To whom Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So where is Christ? He's in you. So in other words, to believe in Christ is to believe in yourself. It's to believe in yourself. 
not be affrighted, not be scared. Don't be fearful and believe in Christ in you. This is empowering. This is not this is humbling. Number 1. It's incredibly humbling. It's like, "Oh my god, I've got a pretty big responsibility here. Christ is in me." Holy shnikes. So there's that. So it's humbling and empowering. That's what it's supposed to be. So what is he saying? He's saying, "Hey, you that you believe in yourself and you cleanse yourself through baptism." And not to go dip your head in some water at the church. Actually purify yourself. Go through that process of, of taking the rough ashlar stone and making it the perfect, perfect ashlar stone. Well, how do we do that, Marty? What is this uh, said process? Get rid of all the bullshit in your life. Speak truth. Speak plainly. Live for God. Live for truth. Get rid of all the things in your world that don't help anything, that are nonsense, that are not true, that, that stop you from understanding that you are living a divine, sacred experience and get freaking rid of it. Cleanse yourself of it and believe in yourself. And then it goes on to say, and these signs, yeah, numbers don't lie, people. People do. Exactly. Believe who you are. Exactly, Jacob Law. Know who you are, right? So, uh, Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs, what is the sign? We've been talking about the gospel. God's story, which is the canopy of the stars above. We already know what God's story is, right? <clears throat> these signs. That's literally a, that's literally language. as Just as we know in Genesis, these signs, the, you know, the... The stars shall be for signs and days and all that sort of stuff, right? We already know that the stars shall be for signs, which means they're talking about constellations. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out the devils. They shall purify. They cast out those, just like Mary did, casting out those seven devils, rising yourself up from that sacrum all the way to your Aries. And they shall speak with new tongues, not Old Testament garbage. New tongues. So you say, well, all, and then it says, well, Jesus said all of the Old Testament will be fulfilled. Right? Okay, and then what was his message? Where is it all? In your heart. They were the ones that weren't understanding it. Not Christ. So they shall speak with a new tongues and a new testament. And they shall take up serpents. Wait, What? They shall take up serpents. <laughs> well, this is the same as Moses lifting that ser- the brazen serpent. You know the whole the whole story. Moses lifting that serpent up in the wilderness. All these illustrations of that. Well, what does this mean? Okay, so well, we we uh, there's John uh, three fourteen. John three fourteen. John. 3.14 said this, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What's the sun? It's the light. It's the light within you. It must be lifted up through those, in his name, casting out those seven devils straight up to recognize that you are the celestial beam of faith. Yeah, Christ didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled it. Exactly. Yeah. And they denied it to this day. John 3.14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So, Jesus is saying, take up serpents. They shall take up serpents 
And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They lay hands on the sick. Well, there's those hands again, those powerful hands of healing once again. That Remember, the Ten Commandments were written on. And they shall recover. Okay? So, what is this a reference to? Well, this is a reference to Kundalini. Now, Kundalini is just an Eastern term or whatever for this process. You know, but this is literally lifting the serpents up through you. This is what he's saying. The idea... <clears throat> the idea that... And, and I've pretty much seen this expressed by every Christian to this day. Now, that Eastern religion stuff, that's got no place in our, our you know, Christian doctrine. And it was like, Yoga? Are you kidding me? Union with the divine? Get out of here. All of that sort of stuff. All of these people reject something because it's draped in a Hinduism or some, or draped in Eastern theology. And so therefore, they look at this and they're like, well, that's not my Christ. Uh, and then they lose their mind and they certain there's all this static and, oh, that's, that's the wrong thing. They're not, blah, 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 blah. No, what do you think Christ is talking about? He's taking, taking up your serpents. What are those serpents? It's Ida and Pingala. This is the two serpents that you'll find if you study, once again, esotericism, mysticism, you study cross-cultural, comparative religious study, that sort of thing. You'll find this again and again and again. And it's only the contemporary or modern Christians because they can't read their Bible and they can't understand what's being said and they refuse to understand it. Their kundalini experience is never going to happen to them. They've rejected it. They've rejected Christ within because they, because they think, well, that's not my Christ. The serpents that he's saying take up are Ida and Pingala. Pingala is the extroverted, if you will, active solar nadi and corresponds to the right side of the body and the left side of the brain. Ida is the introverted lunar nadi and corresponds to the left side of the body and the right side of the brain. This is uh, Those are the two serpents that are going up. So there's the Ida, the Pingala, and then the Shashumna that goes straight up. And once again, these are just Eastern terms for something that is a natural physical process, okay? That's been encoded within and captured within this literature. And we're going to see it's captured in the stars above too because it's God's story. It has to be. It has to be. And we'll see this. So there's Ida and Pingala. And there's Ida and, Ping there's Ida and Pingala in our homestead. That's that we have to. That's when Jennifer and I realized that we had reached enlightenment. Is when Ida and Pinkala popped their little heads up, being like, "Wait a second. So I almost shot them, though. So, but Jennifer's like, "Don't. They're they're harmless." Okay. So, um, yeah. So this this is your fundamental problem here, ladies and germs. This is one of the fundamental problems in modern day Christianity. Modern day truth seekers is that they want to constantly make walls where there aren't any walls. They constantly want to put stuff in boxes where boxes don't freaking exist. And I'm a Kabbalist, so I should know. I know a lot about cubes. Um, they want to constantly say, this is this over here, and this is this over here, and those have nothing to do with one another, and they could not be further from the truth. You are supposed to go through a religious process and link, relink, rechain, rebind. And they will refuse to do it. And not only that, they'll come by this church and shit on it all day long because we understand. And because they can't read anything. <laughs> the, the, the Bible, it's like, it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like they might as well be reading Chinese or something. It's sad. And I'm going to speak out about it, as you guys see. Okay, so we see with the Kundalini, we see the two serpents. 
taking up, once again, where does this, what is this based on? It says, hey, they shall take up the serpents. Jesus is saying this. This is red letter edition stuff. You take up the serpents. If you follow me, take up the serpents. What does this mean? Okay. Well, we already know that we have to follow the gospel. We have to follow God's story. So what are those two serpents? Well, those two serpents are Hydra and Hydras. So Jesus, when he mentions these serpents, take up the when Moses taking up serpents in the wilderness, brazen serpent, all this other stuff, um, close-minded, unbelievably close-minded. Yeah. Um, this is Hydra and Hydras. Okay, Hydra is the um, it's literally means 143 watching. Thank you very much. Hydra literally means water snake, and so does hydras. They, they both you know, hydra means hy like water, hydro, and then so they're snakes, so they're water snakes. And why are they water? Well, because they're in the canopy of the stars, the water above and the water below. So they're water snakes. They're in the stars above. Hydra, uh, the name means uh, male water snake, as opposed, or excuse me, hydras, excuse me, hydras means male water snake, as opposed to hydra which is a much larger constellation that represents a female water snake. So here you have Hydra and Hydras, and they both represent water snakes. One's a male and one's a female. One, The female is really big, really long, as you can see in the top there. That's the female. And then the male, as you can see, it forms a, a triangle. forms a, or a triangle. And it's very small, pretty small constellation. Hydra is one of the biggest constellations. Hyd Hydras is very small. Two serpents, and we'll see where these serpents are, by the way. Before we get to that, Hydras, as you can see, Hydras is a triangle, triangular constellation, as you can see right there, and it's in the southern hemisphere, southern part, triangular constellation right near the bottom, right almost to the very bottom of that southern uh, Sigma Octantis or whatever it is, right, the southern star. There's a triangle, serpent triangle right at the base of the pole. Well, that's your sacrum. That's representative of your sacrum. The sacrum is the triangular bone just but literally in the south of the human being. There's your pole. It represents the pole of the earth, and we'll see that in just a second. And there's your sacrum, which is a triangular bone just below the lumbar vertebrae, which is literally what starts your spinal column. So, and this is this hydrus, by the way, this is actually where, so there's your hydrus, right? Hydras is actually where you get, it's a, it's a, um, uh, thank you, Pablo. Um, Hydras is also where you get the phoenix rising from the ashes. So um, there's, there's Hydras, which is literally, I mean, it's the water snake, but it's a triangle. And the triangle is the fire sign. Well, what's right above the triangle, which is a fire sign? A phoenix. It's a phoenix rising from the ashes of the southern the fire, the ashes, the fornix is right there too, which means which means a furnace essentially. The fire sign is a triangle pointing up, and this is the phoenix that's rising from the ashes of the fire. So that's where the it's, it's right there. It's the hydras, the phoenix, right there. Is the fire sign is the triangle. So that's where that comes from. So, but so this is where it looks like in relation to our story, though, and that's what's important. So we have Ida and Pingala. The two opposite serpents that are in, that intertwine up the pole, up the shaft of the human being, and where is all? Where are these serpents? Well, there's Hydra, which is literally the constellation right above Centurion or the Centaurus, which is literally right above the cross, and what's right below the cross? So you have 
a serpent above the cross and a serpent below the cross in this sort of sense, right? And what's below the cross? Hydras. A small, big, female, male, positive, negative, Ida, Pingala. You guys get it? So Hydra and Hydras are the two serpents that are going up your, there's your Ida and Pingala. Opposites, okay? Now, Hydra, now, one second, sorry. Now we just said, they just gave us a bunch of math in this. They said, Jesus said specifically, go ye into all the world and preach the God's story to every creature, to everybody. And that is 2.11 and that's the 47th prime. So we saw that. So 40, it's the 47th prime. Well, this is, uh, well, where am I? Hydra and Hydrus equals 47. Okay. Maybe that's a coincidence. No, I don't, I don't really think it is because what is this representative of the Southern Celestial Hemisphere and the Northern Celestial Hemisphere? The two serpents that are going from the South all the way up the center pole, all the way to the North. And who's in the North, by the way? Draco. Another serpent. In other words, Draco represents Yushumna. Three serpents. Draco. North. We'll see it in just a second. Hydra and Hydras. Well, Southern Celestial Hemisphere, Northern Celestial Hemisphere, Southern and Northern. Uh, 47. Hydra and Hydras, 47. Heaven and Earth, 47. Southern Earth, Northern Heaven. What does it equal? 47. 47th prime, 47, 47. You know, maybe those Masons knew something. The Freemasonic compasses that adorns the cover of the Masonic printing of the authorized King James Holy Bible is open to 47 degrees. And the apex or capstone of the all-seeing eye of God that graces the back of the United States $1 bill is also set to the angle of 47 degrees. And what does this represent? What does that Freemasonic compasses and square represent? The merging of heaven and earth. The merging of heaven and earth. It's exactly, it's the tools of the carpenter. That's Jesus. And what does heaven and earth equal? 47. What's that degree at? 47. What's that degree at? 47. What does hydras and hydras, hydra and hydras equal? 47. Oh, <laughs> my dog's dreaming. There it is. So there, there's a visualization of the center pole of the stars, the, the, the globe, the, the sphere of the stars that revolves around our flat stationary earth. There's a center pole, an imaginary center pole through that that connects the southern point to the northern point. And everything revolves around us. Well, that southern point, you see the hydras, and then, right, that actually revolves around the equator, if you will, is hydra, and that leads right all the way up to Draco, which is the serpent at the very top. Hydra, hydras, and Draco all revolving around a center pole. And that, my friends, is your Ida, your Pingala, and your Shashumna. And what's at the very top? Your Shashumna. And what's at the very top? Draco, which revolves around what? The northernmost point in the heavens, the pole star, Polaris. So there's Hydra, your Hydras, the center pole of the heavens, the Draco above, 
And guess what? The center is when you cross, like when you, as you're going up, just you can even see in the back there where the sun actually is in this, this snapshot here. It's a Leo. Leo's the heart. This is, ex this, this is literally in the stars above exactly what's going on. Where's my graphic? Exactly what's going on right here. Leo's the heart. You're going from the root, the sacrum, hydrus. You're taking those two serpents, hydra and hydrus, all the way up that center pole, and you're taking it to the very top. And what's up there as well? Well, another serpent. And what do you have to cross? Leo, the heart, to get there. You are made in the image of God's story. Isn't that what we've been told? Isn't, isn't that what the, we keep, they, I mean, the Bible repeats? Made in the image of God, Genesis 127? Made in his image? Like literally and stuff. Now, what is this center pole that we're, well, it's the, it represents the center pole in you. This is the axis mundi. Yet another quintessential concept, not even concept, it's an axiom of this creation that you'll find all over mysticism, but that you won't find in any church, as far as I know, any literalist church anywhere. You won't find any, as far as I know, hardly any truth seekers talking about any of this stuff because they don't want to know. This is a joke. This is a joke to them. In astronomy, axis mundi, that's what we're talking about here. This is the axis mundi. is the Latin term for the axis of the earth between the celestial poles. In a geocentric coordinate system, you know, like the one we're in, uh, this is the axis of the rotation of the celestial sphere. They're one and the same. The world atlas, or the world axis, and your axis right here, are reflect it's like a fractal in this sense they're reflective of one another and this is once again writ large in esoterica a line or stem through the earth's center connecting its surface to the underworld and the heavens around which the universe revolves when you travel up this all of this and get to that that midbrain right we take those hydra and the hydras and you take it all the way up to draco and you ascend into the center point of the heavens up God Almighty, you cross the two bones in your spinal column and they're the 32nd and the 33rd bone in your spinal column. And that's the axis. Oh, I, I, I spelled that wrong. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. The 32nd is the axis and the 33rd is the atlas. That's supposed to say atlas, but I, yeah, anyway. Axis, atlas. There's two bones right there and they're the 32nd and 33rd bone. And, um, oh, where are we here? This is exactly what we started with. Horizontal and vertical. 32 and 33. So that's 32 and 33. Well, where do they, how do we find this in the story of Jesus? Well, it's, it's, it's how many years he lived. 32 or 33, as we say. Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, began to be about look listen to that language began to be about which means was he 30 or was he 29 being as was supposed the son of joseph which was the son of heli which is heli is a reference to the son <laughs> like heliocentric his grandpapa was the son so jesus himself began to be about 30 years which means he was either 32 or 33 years when all of this stuff happened that we're discussing right now
So you got that atlas bone and then the, the top or the axis bone and then the atlas bone is the top one, right? Well, the axis is what? It's a six. It's your Sabbath. It's the alpha, which is the first thing, if you will, origin point. And then you got up, down, left, right, forward, and reverse. You got one, two, three, four, five, six. Resting on a seventh. Wait a second. I know this. I know this one. This is this. The word. That's no different. And that's what this whole process has been about. Going from the lower to the higher. From the animal to the divine. From the lost shepherd to the sheep of Christ. Going straight up to that Aries, that ram, that lamb. And as you can see, there's 32nd, 33rd bone. And then next thing you know, we're right into that little guy that we saw before. That had the rams, the arms and the ram's horn. And he had the fornix. And everything that was in there, the claustrum and the, all that sort of stuff. That's what this has all been about. Since, since we first started chapter one in this book, that's what the whole thing has been about. And here we are at the last chapter, and we're still talking about the exact same thing. And I don't know of a single Christian that knows anything about it, except you guys. So congratulations if you're here. Because you've, you've, you've apparently made it through some fire. <laughs> you've tempered a freaking sword. So thank you, and I appreciate that, and God bless you for that. Well, as we know, we're going to go up, we're going to take that Hydrus and that Hydra and drink, bring it all the way up to that Draco, and then get past Draco. We don't give a shit what he has to say. This is a stupid, stupid devil that's trying to tempt us with stuff. Cut his head off. We're going to go straight to the top, straight to the pole star, right into the canopy of the heavens, right into God's kingdom. And we're going to do that through Ares, right? To the head. That's what the whole thing is about. Well, Ares is 1, 5, 5, 5, 6, and equals 22. And 7 is 6, 5, 5, 5, 1. And that equals 22. And 6, 5, 5, 5, 1 is an exact mirror of 1, 5, 5, 6. It's a science. It's written in our language. It's written in our holy books. But more, off, more, more important than that, besides being written in our language and in our holy books, it's written right here, right in front of you, and right upstairs. It's written right here, and written right there. God just wants you to learn to read. So what happened? The stone was rolled away. The stone was rolled away. What is the stone? We've already covered this. It's a reference to Kabbalah. Just as Odin hung upside down on the Yagrasil, just as our Savior, these stories are reflective of one another. They talk about the exact same thing, by the way. You'd be like, heathen, Christian... Shut up. Shut up. It's retarded. Sorry. It is. <laughs> Odin was on a tree, the world tree, by the way, and hung upside down and received a magical alphabet. 
He received Kabbalah. That's what Odin received. And Jesus, the stone was rolled away after he died. And the stone was rolled away. And what is that a reference to? Kabbalah. What happened right as he was on the cross and all of those, those, the people, what did they do? They casted lots. What is that? It's a reference to cubes and Kabbalah. What happened to Christ? Well, he up, down, left, right. He went all around the world teaching his message. And his message ultimately was in the center of you. It's the epistle written in our hearts. And that's the Sabbath day. That's the up, down, left, right, forward, reverse. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And resting on Sunday. And when you rest, that's the, 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 the day of rest. The day in Latin means die. That means die. And you know what a die is? It's a cube. So what is the Sabbath day, the day of rest, the day of worship? <clears throat> what temple do we go into worship Christ? So build your house. Build yourself a house worthy of the Lord. But Solomon built him a house. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. I'm in command and have jurisdiction over the whole thing. And I and emanating through and imbued within the whole thing. What house will you build me? What kind of physical building could you possibly build me that's going to show how awesome you are when I built everything, God's saying? Where, or, and saith the Lord, and what is my place of rest? What, at what temple are you building? Your temple. Because that's the one that's fit for God Almighty. Hath not my hand made all these things? Then he, then, he, then he leaves it with this and he talks about those Sabbath keepers where he talks about, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You don't have love and compassion in your heart. You don't have it in your heart. You don't have it here and you can't hear the word. You circumcise. You cut your ears off proverbially. You cut out your heart proverbially because you can't hear Christ in here. You can't hear Christ in here. You do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did as those people of the Old Testament did, so do ye. That's it. Okay, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Maybe we should talk about, uh, oh wait, what is this? No words can you communicate what I get from being here every Sunday. It's about a feeling being with all of you, love. And how can you explain that in words? You can't, but feelings are God's communication. Thank you so much, Deborah Stilly. What a wonderful little message. My Lord. Um, I was fiery today, wasn't I? Yeah, I was. I was feeling fiery. It's like, well, maybe we should talk about how Joe Rogan is short now for hours instead of opening the Bible. Maybe we should do that. Anyway, um, so sick and tired of that nonsense. Anyway, God bless all of you. Um, 
if you want to support the, the Academy here, if you like what we're doing here, this uh, only stays alive as long as you guys allow it to stay alive. Um, the, you know, the month or two that I can't keep doing this, I have to stop doing this. <laughs> it's that simple. It's that simple. So this keeps going as long as there are people to watch this and people to support it. When there's not, that's when I'll go away. So if you'd like to support this, there's uh, donation links, there's books you can buy, there's all sorts of things. You can do a three-month tithing, which is $14, quarterly tithing, $14, uh, one year. That's all That's all we got right uh, thus far. And right now, um, yeah, uh, the new book will be coming out, I'm hoping, this week. I'm just waiting for the review copy so I can look it over one last time, and then those books will be going out. We do have rosaries back in stock if you want to uh, buy rosaries. And Jennifer is making them now, and they're really beautiful. Actually, we're going to sell them locally, too, because somebody else wants wants them, because they're, they're beautiful rosaries. They really are. So handcrafted by Jennifer, and then that includes a package with the Bible and a little rosary package and things like that. And it's just, it's really nice. So um, anyway, if you want to support, that's a good way to do it. They're great presents and things like that. And I, I think that we'll be or, um, selling... The rosary separately as well, but I'm not sure yet. I think so. And then I also think that we're going to do a lifetime uh, membership too, if anybody wants to do that. Um, so we'll look at that. But um, if you do get a chance, uh, stopping over to Gnostic Revelation Mysteries, I would really like to get Amor part of the, you know, on the site and things like that. But and and you know, get you know some funds and things like that going his way as well. But right now we're you know. It's uh, it's just a struggle. It's like we, you know, we I basically barely keeping this afloat as is. So, um, but I would like to grow it. I would like a physical church at some point, but I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, it it's I'm putting all this in God's hands, in the people's hands, and then if it's if this is worthy to people, then I'll stick around. If it's not, it's not. That's how I feel about it now. So, so I thank you all the people that are here and supporting this. Okay. So go check out check out Amor. Last couple of videos have just been bangers, man. They've been fantastic. So check it out. Okay, that's gonna do it for me. Uh, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May His grace be with you all. Amen. Um, all right, next week I don't even know what we're gonna do. I don't have anything planned yet. But um, like I said, there's a whole list of stuff we're gonna do. I um, and I've talked about that before, but. I want to do, um, if the book is out, I might do a book release and just talk about some of the stuff that's in here. Um, just try to do like an hour stream, um, not make these two hour, you know, epic sessions here. And so we can be in and out. So I appreciate everybody that's here. Thank you all so much. Thanks uh, for everybody that stopped at the site and, and gave a donation and shown Amor some love and things like that. We really appreciate it. Okay. So, um, that's going to do it. I will see you guys next week. For our outro song, we're going to listen to some Mr. Greg Arcade, because why not? Because it's a freaking fantastic song called Outlaw Hearts, and you can get this at gregarcade.com. You can buy his records there. Um, I think you can download some of them for free, too. Um, but check them out, gregarcade.com. This is a song off his new record, Rolling Thunder, and it's called Outlaw Hearts. Okay, guys? I love you so much. Thank you all for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and I hope we can keep doing this. I hope we can keep doing this. Okay? All right. Um, God bless to each and every single one of you. Lucy Short Tens, thank you so much. If you get a chance, stop on over to NASACademy.org. That's going to do it. Let's rock and roll. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
Silently I pray you might stop this Ever growing as it feeds on 